Welcome to Salvation Prayer Mission Worldwide, the Miracle Center in King William Sound, Eastern Cape Province in South Africa. Take this time to listen to the word of the Lord and your life will never be the same. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for yet another time in your presence. And thank you for having brought us through all these days up until now. Thank you for all the things that you have ministered to us. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that has been a teacher, a guide, and a comforter. We pray that at this last session you will speak to us and you will lead us into all your truth Lord thank you Holy Spirit you are the one who works through vessels of clay let the will of God be done let the unction be upon this vessel in Jesus name Amen Amen praise the Lord please take your seats well it's good to come to the finishing line. Yeah. It's been great being here. And God has been good to us. What people don't know is that preachers are ministered to by God through the preaching of his word. Amen. Amen. So I want to thank God for his faithfulness all these three days. Amen. Amen. To God be all the glory. I also want to thank my, my husband and my presiding bishop. Under whose ministry I stand. And who has nurtured me all these years. I honor him. I also want to salute Bishop Ransford. He's been so gracious. And um, although he's gracious, he also uses a lot. He's a can-do man. Amen. <laughs> And uh, I want to thank God for your life and for the work that you are doing here. May the Lord establish the work of your hands. I want to salute all the pastors and leaders who stand with him. You have such a gracious spirit. And God bless you and use you for greater works. Amen. Amen. And I want to thank all of you, including my Lighthouse family, and my Salvation Prayer Ministry Worldwide family. I believe we've become even more family now. Thank you for everything. 
And for those of you who have done things even behind the scenes, may God rewards in secret. Who sees in secret? Reward you openly. For all the lady pastors who came with me, thank you. And for all those who have taken care of us in so many ways, may God give back to you. Only God can reward you. Amen. Amen. This evening I will be brief. Because it's the last day. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Ten reasons why people don't use their talents. If you remember, our theme is God is looking for a woman that he can use. Why is it that when God gives people a commission and gives them a talent, a gifting and a calling, why is it that they do not use that? Talent Reading from verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Please continue. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh, and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came, and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talents in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. 
Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto everyone that hath shall be given and shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Amen. This is a very well known parable. Told by Jesus. He was referring, he said, to the kingdom of heaven. Please go back to 14 and then go with me as I go along. And he was traveling into a far country. This man who was traveling into a far country is actually God. And he has taken a long journey into eternity. And into heaven which is his throne. But before leaving. He has called his own servants. Not somebody else's servants. But his own servants. People that God himself has employed. And God has delivered unto you and I who are his servants. His goods, not our goods. Because this master delivered his own goods to the different servants. Verse 15. To one he gave five, and to one two, and to one just one. The Bible says God gave to everyone according to his several ability. God never gives us what we are not able to do. Ability is from the word able. So before God gives you something, he looks at your ability. The Bible says that he has called us according to his purpose and his grace. So when he, he gives you a purpose, he gives you the necessary grace to go with it. Immediately he gave the talents to the servant. He checked out. For you to check out and go back to a far country shows a certain sense of confidence that you are reposing in the servants that you are leaving. When you are going to a faraway country or you are going to be away for a long time and you need somebody to look after your things, you look for people who are trustworthy and people that you can repose confidence in. And that is exactly what God has done. Verse 16. 
And the Bible says that what do we have that we did not receive? So he that had received the five talents, whatever gifting, whatever calling, whatever talent, whatever opportunity, is something you have received and not something you went to collect. So when God looks at you, he says that you, you can handle five talents. You can handle five giftings. If with the five giftings come five persecutions, he has given you the grace to overcome those five persecutions that come with the gifts. And then he sends you off. And what really touches my heart is the Bible says when he gave the five talents, the guy just went and traded with it. There was no dilly darling, doing other things, distraction, focused people. God wants you and I to be focused. But we are so distracted by so many things around us. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, Be ye therefore steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain to be steadfast you have to be focused to be steadfast you have to be constant to be steadfast you have to be faithful and consistent the bible didn't say an angel will be steadfast for you he says that you and i be ye steadfast and it says we should be unmovable because when you set out especially as a woman to work for God or to serve God there are many movable things or rather there are many things that can move you the cares of this world can move you the deceitfulness of riches can move you the desire and lust for other things can move you the world can move you your needs can move you your boyfriend can move you your marriage or the absence of marriage can move you emotional things can move you but in order to use what the master gave you you have to be unmovable Paul said but none of these things move me because so many things come to move you 
Sometimes some of us we are moved by offense. There's no perfect church in this world. In fact, the church was perfect till you joined it. And if you are not perfect, why do you expect the other church member to be perfect? The church is full of sinners saved by grace. The church is full of people God is working at and in to will and to do of his good pleasure. And if you want to be offended, then join the church. If you want to be offended, then decide to work for God. If you want to be offended, then come into the ministry. Because opportunities are bound. You pour your life into other people and you get the reverse. The person you spend the most time with is the person who appreciates you the least. One Once I came to church and in our church we have what you call deep sea fishing. And so deep sea fishing is after church you don't talk to the people you know and who are your friends. But you go into the sea and look for people in church who nobody will talk to or who don't know anybody or who are not yet established. And when you go and look for them, then you communicate with them, you talk to them, and you see if you can get to know them and get them to be more established. And although I'm a lady pastor, it's not every Sunday that I feel like talking. So on this particular Sunday, I was coming to church and I was in no mood to talk a lot. If it's hello, fine, but to chat up somebody... I, I wasn't feeling that way. But when I got there, I said, Lord, you know, it's not by feelings, it's by your word. I am going to do deep sea fishing and I'm going to touch a life. So I after church I went to the lobby and I met a lady. And I said, oh, hello, sister. Um, It's good to see you. And I said, "Um, have you been coming to this church for a while? And she was very nasty. She said, I mean, what does it matter? If I've been coming to this this church, what does it matter? Oh. And I was saying, but God, you know, I, I don't feel like talking. And I said, oh, okay, I just wanted to get to know you. And um, by the way, are you in any ministry in the church? And uh, I think she said, no, you see, now I've even forgotten the details of the offense. But I think she said something like, 
what is it to you if I join the ministry or not? And I mean, what are you trying to achieve? I was very sad. Because the rudeness was phenomenal. And remember that I didn't feel like talking. So I just said, oh, okay. So I hope we'll meet some other time. And then I went away. And I felt that the Holy Spirit was telling me, you know, this woman is not about you. She has her own issues that she has come to the church. And uh, it's not about you. A week or so after, one of our bishop's wives came to see me and said, there's this lady in church and uh, I think that the best person to minister to and talk to her is you. So I'm bringing her in. And I said, okay. When they opened the door, there was yours truly. Everything in me wanted to say, oh, it's you again. How come you are in my office today? But I just said, oh, hello, come in. So they came in and then the bishop's wife said, ah, okay, lady reverend, this is, uh, she mentioned her name and um, what it is is that she has a very autistic child and she's overwhelmed and she doesn't know what to do and she's struggling with it and I thought that since you have ministered to people like that I would bring her to come and see you. Immediately the lady broke down and she started crying. And again, I said, oh, I know her. I met her like a week ago. And then she said, you remember? I said, of course I remember. But anyway, God had already revealed to me that you were carrying a lot of problems. And so I just want you to know that Jesus came to bear our burdens and um, I want to walk with you through this and all that. And then I showed her where she could get help and then I prayed with her. That was a classic opportunity for offense. And a classic opportunity to say these days when I come on Sundays, people should just stay in their corner and also stay in mine. You have your issues, I have mine. Hey! That's it. But you know, you have that mentality when you think you are not a servant and that you are your own person. But when you know you are a servant that God has sent, then it's not about how people treat you, but it's about pleasing him who called you. Amen. Amen. And so every gifting, every grace, if it's the gift of pastoring, if it's the gift, I didn't know, but as I've ministered over the years, one thing I know now is one of the giftings that God has given me is the gifting of encouragement. You know, I don't know what it is, but 
God gives me words and I'm able to lift people up. You know, but it is not something that I just came on this planet and I had. It is a talent and I must give account of that. And so, if we see ourselves as servants and not as madams and lords, we will have a different attitude. Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant, not of rich people, not of people who are well endowed, but to be the servant of all. So God has given each and every one of us something in our hands to work with. But what are some of the reasons why we don't use the giftings of God? Matthew 25 verse 25. The servant with the one talent gives us a lot of insight. He said, I was afraid. And I went and hid the talent. Fear is not a mood. Fear is not a feeling. First Timothy 1.8 says, For God has not given us First Timothy 1 verse 8, or is it verse 7? Or Second Timothy 1 verse 7? 7? 1 Timothy 1 7? 2 Timothy 1 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. 2 Timothy 1 7. Timothy 1 7. 2 Timothy 1 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So fear is not a feeling, it is an evil spirit. And that evil spirit controls us, cripples us, and stops us. Some of us will say, Lady Reverend, me stand on stage and share Jesus, I would rather die. And you think, oh, it's just a feeling. It is actually a spirit of fear. And that fear cripples us as women a lot. Fear of people's faces. Fear, fear of what people will say if we do God's work. Fear of what, what will happen if we use the gifts and it doesn't work. My husband always says that when he was starting the church, he was so afraid that it may not work. If I start the church, will souls be won? Will people come? Will I be ashamed? Am I better off staying as a medical doctor than venturing into what I think God has called me into? And then when he discussed it with his assistant, Bishop Saki, his assistant said, okay, let's go and start in some small town outside the capital. 
so that when it fails there, nobody will know. I can tell you that most of the time before I come and preach, I am so afraid. And sometimes I ask God, what am I going to say? I don't have anything to say. And then God says, go in this thy might. That's what he told Gideon. And trust me. And so you may see somebody behind the pulpit and say, oh, she's very confident. It is the grace of God. Hallelujah. You don't have to be crippled by fear. That the one who hid the talent said, I was afraid. Sometimes you are afraid that God can't look after you. I thought about that. When I was coming full time, my husband was already full time. And then I was working. So I felt that my salary was very helpful. And now I was going to resign my job as a state attorney to now come and join him in ministry. What if I lose my salary and then things are not so easy? What do you do? So that you have fear that God cannot look after you. And you start to do things that will prop you up or you think will support you. But God has surprised me beyond my wildest dreams. Some women discourage their husbands from answering God's call because of fear. Fear that the children's school fees cannot be paid. Fear that you will become a laughing stock. Fear that you become a beggar. Fear that if you serve God and you give him your time, you will lose out. But nobody has come to God and God has not blessed. I was afraid. And I hate myself. Some of us, we go to places, homes, maybe we are cell group leaders, people are sick, and you are afraid that, what if I pray and they don't get healed? So I will not pray at all, I will just leave. But it's not your reputation, it's God's reputation. Mark 16:17 says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. 
They shall take up deadly things and it will not harm them. But we are afraid to do what God said. When somebody, you go to a house, somebody says he's sick. So, do you have any Panadol? I am not against medicine, but most medicines have side effects. But God's healing power has no side effect. And God has put power in our hands that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They may not always recover, but it doesn't mean you should give up. You press on towards the mark. Amen. Amen. I was afraid. And I hid myself. The second reason is because we hide our gifts. He said, I was afraid and I went and hid thy talent. So that is why we won't use it at all because we hide it. If you hide something, it will never be seen. Many of us hide and so we never get to know what is within us. I never knew certain things were in me until my husband stirred up something. For instance, we were starting an orphanage in the church and my husband built, by the grace of God, a beautiful house or building for the orphanage. But then when he finished, he called me and he said, I've finished building the orphanage, so it's now over to you to run it. I looked at his face and I said, okay, I've not run an orphanage before. But if you say I should run an orphanage, okay. But uh, please, can I ask a question? And he said, yes. And I said, you have given me an empty building. May I know how you plan to fund the work you have given me? And then when I said that, he just said, I've done my part. I've built the building. I don't know how it can be full. Don't ask me. I don't know. And I said, so, how will we finish? I don't know. I don't know. I can't carry all that. I'm carrying a lot of things. I don't know how we'll fill it. Sort it out. I looked and I said, me, run an orphanage from the way. If you had told me, open law chambers, then I know that I've been trained. Why you tell me to run an orphanage? And then I said, well, God, you are my source. Amen. You are the leader. Amen. You are the provider. Amen. I know that you can. So then I went into my closet. 
You see, when I say it, people feel I'm a very dynamic woman. But what it is is that I am so helpless that without Christ, I can do nothing. Amen. So then I went into my chambers. And that's why I talked to you about waiting on God. And I said, Lord, I have been left a building. And they have not given me even a dime to furnish it. But I know that a cattle on a thousand hills are yours. The Amen. silver and the gold, it is yours. Amen. Lord, lead me. I've never been on this road. And help me to be able to furnish this orphanage. And then, when I got up, I said, okay, uh, what are the things I need? I went to departments of social welfare. I said, you need a medicine box, you need beds, you need wardrobes, you need things in the kitchen, you need whatever. But one grace that God has given me is that I'm not worried about the number of things. And I don't have a deadline. You know, some people say, by the 2nd of June, I should have done this. That's how my husband is. But I'm not like that. The waves just flow wherever it takes me. I will go. <laughs> and so, I went and I said to a pharmacist in church, I said, they said I should have a medicine box. And the medicine box should have all these first aid drugs. Can you help me? She said, Sister Mommy, I have samples. I have samples of paracetamol, samples of this sample. I, said, I like it. I said, the samples, are they the same as the real medicine? She said, yes. I said, please give me. And then I got a box and I put all the samples. Then I went, I saw somebody. I said, you work at the harbor? He said, yes, I work at the harbor. I said, so what's your, he said, I, I do duties on cars. What? I said, oh, but you also import rice. I don't import rice, but I know that people who import rice. I said, okay, I need to fill the orphanage with food to prove the, to the people that we can feed the orphan. So I need rice, I need sugar, I need, oh, I will give you. And then I was going. And then I met another person, uh, uh, Pastor Randy from my husband's office. And I said, long ago, the Bible students had some beds and you removed them and replaced them. Where are the beds? So the beds are here. I said, so can you bring them to the orphanage? Uh, I can bring them, but mommy, you have to pay transport. I said, really? Okay, you bring them. And then he brought them. When he brought them, I saw that my children can't sleep on it because there are no sidebars and my children will just roll off. And so I went to call some carpenter who was not so well known then. Today he has come so well known. When we call him, he doesn't even come. But anyway, so I brought him and I said, just do a few wooden bars so the children would not roll over. Then I went to see another person. I said, you are a doctor for this uh, mattress company. She said, yes, I am. I said, can you, I'm writing a letter, but can I give it to you to go to them to donate 20 mattresses for my beds? She said, well, I can ask them. So she took the letter and they gave me 20 mattresses. Amen. And then now I needed to put curtains. So I went to a friend of mine and I said, I need you to sew curtains for me. Even if it's pieces, you can put it together and make a pattern. And then it will be a very beautiful whatever. When all was said and done, the orphanage was furnished, fully furnished. Amen. The stove, the stove had only two burners. But the Bible says, do not despise humble beginnings. Amen. And with the little and the much, the orphanage was, was established. 
But if you had told me where I was standing, that you would run an orphanage, I, I see you, you would run an orphanage, you'd, I would not have believed it. Everything was hidden. But what brought it out? Pressure brought Amen. out the hidden treasure Amen. in you. So don't hide. So and when you are given a challenge, let like God be your source. God is able. Today as I speak, my husband came again and said, the orphanage is now dormitory style. You have boys dorm, girls dorm, and nursery. But you have to create family units so that each family of six will live in a flat. So build apartments. I said, me, I'm not a construction type. He said, build apartments. Whenever you go for your women's convention in our churches, then you raise funds and then you use that to build the apartments. So I started. And just by obeying instructions, today, we have about 16 apartments. That when I show it on the screen, my own church members are shocked. I invited my husband to come for inspection and give me feedback after so many years. He came and said, Hey, is that what you have done here? This big thing. You built it. We are killer. Then he asked me, have I ever raised funds for you to build it? I said, no. Bishop Paddy came there, Bishop Saki, they said, oh, are you trying to say that there's much more contributions to a women's meetings? What has built this? I said that and then also the grace of God. I would never have known. When I see it, I myself am frightened. When I walk, Shelly is my architect. When I walk through, I say, hey, it's amazing. It's amazing. And now we have to furnish it. And my husband, husband has come again. I have another vision. I say, you know, this is your third vision. Eh? Go and look for somebody else to fulfill this third vision. And then he's quiet and then he said to me, okay, do me a favor. I said, what? Give me the person to fulfill the vision. I said, ah, what are you saying? He said, you are the person I know. You say I should find somebody else. So go and find somebody for me. He said to me, God has used you to build our primary school, our nursery, and our junior high. Now it's time to build a senior high school, which is a boarding school. I was not happy. This year, I was not happy. And I asked him, where am I going to get the money from? And then he calls my assistant over my head and says, Shirley, are you there? Go, look for land. This, 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 your mother will pay. And I say to the glory of God that when I was pushed, we now have 30 acres of land for a boarding school.
lot of hidden things. You will never know. And, and, and up to now, even when I see that, they say, hey, how did it come about? I don't even know how it came about. But don't hide away from what God calls you to do. When you obey, you find out things you never thought God could use you for. So when you are given an instruction, look at God as your source. This is my treasure. Every time she comes to tell me I don't have money, this girl sitting here. I said, well, is it your project? God says he will do it. Is it your project? Just go. Let's go. And God will show himself faithful. Amen. Amen. My natural self will not go and do all these things. My natural self will just hide. I like peace, a peaceful place. I don't like worry. But he gave me a husband who stares me up. Never hide. You'll be amazed at what God can use you for. The third reason why we don't use our talents and we are running is because we have a fault-finding attitude. Matthew 25, 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. Amen. Amen. You see, if you won't do the work, don't do it. But don't develop a fault-finding attitude. I don't understand why he said the owner reaps where he has not sown because he gave you a talent to sow. Isaiah 58 verse 9 says, Then shall thou call and the Lord shall answer that, shall answer Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, and take away the pointing, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. So when God gives you an instruction, stop pointing your fingers at him, and say you are a hard man. You reap where you are not sown. You are wicked, and you are this. No. The fault-finding attitude doesn't make us Obey God. How come the people with the five and the two talents did not say, we know that you are a hard man who reaps where he has not sown. And you gather where you have not strawed. I thank God for the grace he's given me. When my husband gives me instructions, I don't think he's a hard man. I just think he's a very different man from me. And I also sometimes feel sorry for him because I feel that he has to carry a very heavy mantle of more than 3,000 churches and in more than 80 countries. So then when I ask him to furnish an orphanage and he tells me that he has too many things to think about. 
I rather feel sorry and I say Lord help me to help him. And I say Lord what can I do to make his burden lighter? Instead of fault finding. When you are called in the church do this then you are pointing fingers. Last time this happened. Every time I'm asked this. Every time you say this you change your mind. And so what? They change their mind and so what? When they change their mind, it often becomes a better plan. And that's how visionaries are. Most visionaries are not your ordinary man and your ordinary woman. If you want mediocre things, then expect mediocre leadership. But if you want a dynamic thing, then expect dynamic leadership. I knew that you were a wicked man. You won't do the work, but you are pointing the finger at the people who have given you the work. The fourth reason is because we despise the type of gift we have. He assumed, the one who received that one talent, assumed that this talent would not yield much. He no. despised what he had been given. Many of us feel sometimes that we cannot preach as well as some of the well-known preachers of the world. And so because of that, we never venture. Sometimes you despise the gifts. You look and you say, I'm no Benihin. How can I pray for healing? I'm no Bishop Doug. How can I evangelize? But everybody has a patch in God's vineyard. And no. if we were to rely only on Benihin, a lot of work will not be done even in Africa. But God has given you a gift which you should not despise. You may not be a Benihin, but you are needed in the vineyard where you are. This guy looked at his one talent and said, what can he do? But if he had worked with it and gotten an additional talent, he would have come to the level of the man who had the two talents. Do not despise humble beginnings. Many of us want high posts in the church. My husband says the only job that starts from the top is grave digging and well digging. When you are digging a grave or a well, then you start from the top. But every other job starts from the bottom. Amen. Amen. Do not despise the type of gift you've been given. Your type may be different from my type. You may see me and think, you know, this lady, all she does is conference speaking. But you'll be surprised to come to my church and see me just sitting in front. Because a lot of my work is behind the scenes. I am in charge of protocol. 
And a few years ago, the, there is always a, every year a pastor's conference in my husband's, in our church. And during the conference, I, I attend, but I'm not able to sit through. I go and come, go and come, but I'm in the church because I'm busy feeding more than 1,700 people. Now, an European pastor came for the first time to the conference. And he was among the VIPs to be fed. So as the days of the conference went by, he said to my assistant who was in charge of his group, where is the bishop's wife? My assistant said, oh, she's around. And this pastor said, poor Bishop Doug, he has married a wife who does not come to church. Look at this man with such a great ministry. The wife has not been to this conference. She only comes sometimes in the afternoon, then she comes in the evenings. What he didn't know was that I have the radio on because the program is on the radio live. So whatever we are doing in the kitchen, wherever we are doing, the radio is on. And if I didn't do my work, he, the man complaining, will not even have food and then energy to criticize me. He said, I've been stretching my neck to look at her chair. She, she doesn't sit in it. The man is having a very tough marriage. A woman who does not come to church. Then my assistant said to him, oh really? If you knew the work she was doing, mm -hmm. you would not talk like this. Even the food you are eating here is through her work. Before the conference ended, I hadn't been told because I hadn't seen my assistant. So I called the people in that room to join the bigger hall I was taking care of. So when he came to sit there, I didn't know. So I said, oh, sir, what would you like to drink? What would you like to eat? This is here and this is here. And you move here, you move there. Then later he said, oh, first lady, you work so hard. Now he's one of my best friends. And he says, so you do all this and then you are able to also come to church in the evenings. My first lady, this is really great. Do not disguise the type of gift you have. The type of gift may not always be on stage. The type of gift may not always be appreciated. But your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. Amen. The fifth reason is because he despised the smallness of his gifts. He probably compared it to the one with five talents and the one with two and decided that his was too small. 
believe that giftings grow. I believe that anointings increase. There are different levels of anointings you walk in. And so when your gift looks small, it doesn't mean it will always stay that way. The sixth reason is because we overestimate our abilities. God gave to every man a talent according to his several ability. That is what Matthew 25, 15 says. What you are able to do is what God gives you. Sometimes people think of themselves as being above certain tasks. They feel lowered by being asked to do certain things. Jesus gives talents to us according to our abilities. I told you that the only job that starts on top is grave digging and well digging. I still serve food in my church. I still wipe the floor when a drink spills. I still dish out food when I am in that office. Because by God's grace, I don't think that any task is too low. When they ask you to clean the toilet, you say why. But God gives us things, first of all, according to our ability and also according to his purpose. I have cleaned toilets in my church many times. Sometimes I've seen I have to clean to show people how to clean. But you, when we ask you to clean the toilet, you tell us you have a PhD. You may have more degrees than the thermometer, but in the house of God, there is no big man. And it is when you are able to do menial tasks that you go from grace to grace. I always tell the people in my office and the people I train because I have to train a lot of volunteers to serve other people when we have big conferences. I said, this is an office of servants. There's no madam here. People will talk to you anyhow. And in the pressure of things, I can say to you, hey, you, move to the east. You, move to the right. But if you are too big, then you have chosen the wrong office. But if you will join the chief servant, then both of us and all of us will be servants. And guess what? When great men of God come to my church, people are queuing, people are trying to make a way. But those of us in my office, we come 
Bowser. And the Benihins, oh, Benihins and all the great men of God they ask us for a glass of water and then we come and we give them a glass of water they ask us for a plate of something and we give them a plate of something we are always coming into contact with greatness what has made that door open the servant spirit but you are big that is why you stand behind the door in your big suit trying to make a way but because of service God just makes a way and whenever they finish or even the course of the serving the men of God say call the people who have been serving us lift up your hands and they pour over them a blessing you, you have been joining the queue for an anointing why don't you try service because when you are low God lifts you up. Amen. Amen. The seventh reason why we don't use our talents is because of laziness. Matthew 25, 26. The Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful or lazy servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Ministry involves hard work. You cannot do much for God if you are lazy. People who lounge and sleep are found in king's palaces. It is often hard working people who accomplish much in the things of God. One of the reasons why there's fruitlessness is pure laziness. Yes, God has blessed Lighthouse Chapel International. International. But our leader has also instilled in us the ethic of hard work. We have what we call the maximized Sunday. If you are a pastor or a worker in the church, Sunday is your offering. You give that time to God. You have to be in church to pray before the service starts. You have to be in the service. After the service, you have to do deep sea fishing. After deep sea fishing, you have to do visitation. You have to visit the sheep. You have to visit new believers. Because God said, I have this against you shepherds. You have not visited the sheep. You have to do deep sea fishing. You have to interact with people. That 
Then you go to your office, you have to do counseling. And prayer. And people will come to you long queues with different issues. Often I even forget to eat. It's not a good thing, but I forget to eat. And then my assistants come and say, Mommy, you have not had anything to eat. I feel like telling them that my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish it. But by the time we stumble out of the office, it is night time. We are in the ministry with our children. I bought a table in my office for my daughter to do her homework. I put a shower in my office so that she can bath. I brought her clothes so that she could change and be there. And then when we stumble out, whether they are asleep or whatever, when they were little, we all carry them and then we all go home. We are all doing ministry work. And when your children grow up that way, they don't even complain because like that's life. That's, they grow up with that. Some of you, as soon as church ends, you must go and you are going to watch some useless movie. When we tell you to go and visit somebody, you say, eh, I had a lot to do. I can't go. I can't this. But you have a lot of time to watch useless things. Jesus said to the servant, You are slothful, you are lazy. Some of us, when it comes to God's work, then we are lazy, but other things, our energy comes. So, slothfulness and laziness does not make us use our talents. Amen. Amen. May we overcome slothfulness. Turn to the person next to you and say that from today, from today, laziness goes away. And hard work comes in. Why do you think the Bible says we are laborers together with him? Laborers do hard work. The eighth reason why we don't use our talents is because we have a sense of not wanting to be cheated. The Lord answered and said unto him, that's um, Matthew 25, 26. Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. This man had a mind that he was being cheated. Not wanting to be cheated is a reason why people do nothing for God. The mind that I'm being cheated is a thought that paralyzes the average person into inaction. That is why many African countries don't progress because we feel we have been cheated and we sit in it and we never go forward. Amen. Many of us don't work in our churches because we feel that the pastor is cheating us. 
We feel that the pastor is paid by the church and we are not. And because we have that mentality, we cannot be fruitful. Many pastors I know put a lot into the ministry. But usually it is quiet. When the church was starting, I saw that the office my husband was trying to have did not have curtains. So I went to bring my mother's curtains even without asking her. At that time, I didn't even know that curtains you use money for. I thought it was just there. And then we got filing cabinets from my mother-in-law. And we got other furniture also from our parents. And we used that to set up the office. I thought that I was just doing it for God. I never, I never thought that this is an investment. As I'm doing this, it will yield this. And because it's for my husband, let me do it. No, it was just pure love for God. Before my father died, he always gave so much to his church. Including his time and his money. People used to say when I was young, your father is a rich man. But we didn't believe it because whenever we went to him and we said, Daddy, my school shoes are spoiled. I have to buy new ones. He will not just buy. He will say, go and bring the old ones. And whenever we brought it, he will examine it and he will say, oh, but these shoes, this cobbler here can just sew here and here and you can still wear it. That may well have been on a Saturday. Then we'll go to church on Sunday. On Sunday, the priest will say the church needs a pipe organ, a this, a that. And they will ask people to give. And my father will sign a fat check. And say, I'm buying the organ for the church. And then we will say, ah, how much are our shoes? Compared to the organ he is buying. And frankly, we used to resent it. But as we grew older, my father never had the sense that the church was cheating him. And I saw God bless him over and over again. My father died at a ripe old age of 90. My husband used to say to me, what old man buys a brand new Benz at 87? And I didn't even know that it was unusual. But when I look back on his life, when I look back on his life, he would do anything for the church. 
and not complain that the church was cheating him. But if you have a mentality like this servant, you like to reap where you have not sown. You like to take things from me. You like to work. That thing does not give a heart of service. Amen. Amen. Philippians 2, 5 to 7. We are running to the end. Philippians 2, 5 to 7. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And if you read on, it says, Wherefore, God also has exalted him. Amen. Amen. It takes a mind. It is a way of thinking. And we have to change the way we think. Jesus did not think God was trying to rob him. So he was able to take upon himself the form of a servant for service. The nice reason why we don't use our talents is because of wickedness. Matthew 25, 26, the Lord said to him, thou wicked and slothful servant. So Jesus recognized wickedness in that servant. You are wicked when people are going to hell and you don't have any burden to save them. You are wicked when people are destroying their lives and you don't offer them light instead of darkness. A well-dressed, very good Christian was walking by a river. And then he saw a man drowning and the man was shouting to him for help. But the well-dressed Christian just walked on. So the man drowned. Later on, people accused him of being wicked. He said, I'm not wicked. The only thing is that I did nothing. I speak to a slothful spirit. I speak to the spirit that points the finger. Holy Spirit is moving everywhere. Touch Holy Spirit. Loose Holy Spirit. Send Holy Spirit. Renew Holy Spirit. Strengthen Holy Spirit. Do a new thing Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is walking all about. Some of you are feeling his unction. The Lord is releasing you. The Lord is sending you forth. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it in the name of Jesus. At the back, receive it. At the front, receive it. At the side, receive it. In the name of Jesus. Every opposition to the work of God, I come against you in the name of Jesus. Every limitation, every deception of the enemy, every spirit of indifference to the things of God, we arrest you 
and we cast you out. I release a new zeal into the house of God. A zeal of selflessness. A zeal of service. A zeal of servanthood. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, thank you. Raise laborers. Raise servants. Some of you are feeling the unction. Some of you are feeling the hand of God on you. Some of you are feeling the presence of God. It's time to put self backstage and to put Christ front stage. It's time to work, to work selflessly, to work sacrificially, to work with a servant's heart, to respond to his call, to do menial jobs, and to look unto him as your rewarder. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May this church be transformed into a fruitful church. A church of hard workers. A church of laborers. Bring a burden for soul winning. Bring a burden for the lost Holy Spirit. Deliver us from our hearts that are weighed down with the things of this world. Loose. Loose everyone that is held in bondage. Loose in the name of Jesus. And let there be a fresh outpouring of your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Give us a burden again. Help us to think about eternity. Help us to think about the judgment seat. Help us to run faster than the chariots of the enemy. Help us to care for your sheep and establish them. Help us to bring many to righteousness. For you say, they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as stars forever. Let that be our portion. Let that be our portion. For those that have been offended and have turned back, I pray that you will turn them back onto the path. For those that have been involved in fault finding and pointing of the finger, I pray for a new beginning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Finally, you are here tonight. How can I preach and leave you to go to hell? How can I preach and not offer Jesus to you? How can I preach and go away without preaching salvation? Tonight, you are here. You are not sure whether you go to heaven or hell when you die. You don't know Jesus as your personal savior. You've been playing games with God. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Tonight, I want to turn my life over to Jesus. Before I sit down, I'm giving you an opportunity. I don't know whether it will be the first or the last opportunity for you. If you are like that here this evening, lift up your hands high above your shoulder. 
Forget about how important you are. Lift up your hands. And if you've lifted up your hands, come boldly to the front. And give me the privilege of leading you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You lifted up your hands. Come. Come I'm giving you an opportunity To give your life to Jesus If you are like that here Come Come and give your life to Jesus If you haven't done that already Come Amen Every eye head bowed and every eye closed Lord I leave your presence here Lord I leave your presence here Deliver your people from evil Deliver this church from evil Let the angel that keeps watch over them be on God Use them for your glory. Lead them by your spirit. Because of them, let salvation come. Because of them, let miracles come. Because of them, let the kingdom of God come. Let Jesus be lifted up here and draw men unto Jesus. Thank you for laborers in this church. And Lord, as they seek first your kingdom, show them your faithfulness. Show them the faithfulness of your word. And add every other thing unto them. The things that Gentiles seek. Let it be their portion. Let your hand rest on this ministry. Let your hand rest on your servants. Let your hand rest on leadership. Deliver them from division. Deliver them from disloyalty. Deliver them from the fifth column. Deliver them from the arrows of the enemy. Build a wall of fire around them. Let the legions of heaven fight on their behalf. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Still eyes closed and heads bowed. I just want you to say this prayer after me. If you've come forward. Dear Lord Jesus. Tonight. I come to you just as I am. I take away all my pride and all my haughtiness. I come to your cross in humility. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in the blood. Jesus, Jesus. come into my life and be the master and the Lord of my life 
Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead to give me eternal life. Thank you that by this prayer my name is written in the Lamb's book life and that I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus lead me from glory to glory and make me a profitable servant in your kingdom in Jesus name Amen. Amen God bless you we hope you are blessed. To have a constant fellowship with us, visit our website on www.salvationprayermission.co.za For prayer and counseling, call 083-566-0543 or 0833-470749. If you are outside South Africa, use the country code PLUS27. If you would like to come and fellowship with us, you are always welcome. Salvation Prayer Mission Worldwide. Touching lives, raising lives, accomplishing destinies.